Hello all you podcast lovers, my name is James Noka and I'd like to welcome you to the Knife Journal Podcast episode number 36. I'm here with Kyle Versteeg and we are here to talk about knives, politics and all kinds of funky bullshit that you might like to hear. <laughs> well, we'll try yeah. to go somewhat easy on the politics, but I, I sent a trolling uh, text to James this morning to get him kind of riled. Yeah, um, and you we'll, did. And I'm going to have to, next time I see you, I'm going to probably go do the old uh, Three Stooges pokey in the eye thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know I'm a huge Three Stooges fan. I grew up. On I know all their moves. <laughs> I'm closer to their age. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh boy. No. Which one are you though? You'd be curly, right? I'm, I'm, I'd be Mo. I'd You're be not Mo. big enough, but you've got the <laughs> I'd be the like hair. <laughs> Mo. <laughs> which one? I don't know. If I'd be Mo. I don't know which one I'd be. Hey, Mo. I don't know. Who knows? I'm probably yeah. too smart to be in I don't know three, which one I'd I used be to either. really, seriously, my mom had to stop me from watching them because I was poking my sister in the eye. <laughs> What's that? Well, guess guess what I just bought. What? Guess what I just bought off of Amazon. And it's sitting downstairs. No, the entire Three Stooges collection. Oh, really? Every single one ever made. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I used to, I used to like the Three Stooges, and I used to like... Um, and I still do if I, you don't see him very often, but I think I'd heard that Bill Cosby had bought the rights to him and he won't show them because, because he felt that they were racistly portraying buttwheat. Oh, you mean little rascals. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame too because there was a lot of good stories in there, a lot of, um, and to me, I, I don't, I never couldn't quite understand why they would. And, and maybe maybe this is what everybody's bitching about about being a racist. I I looked at that show. I grew up with that show, and I never saw the kids treated any different, whether they were white or black. And and maybe that's the maybe that's what black people are all upset about was the fact that I don't see whatever it is that they're seeing. I think that's probably accurate because I I do think that they. You know, I've seen some of the episodes in more modern times, and I'm picking up on stuff that, you know, they they kind of made him, they they kind of portrayed him, uh, his character in kind of the stereotypical like. You um, know. Let me think. Let me think now. Just a minute. Back in back in the 30s, which that was set as in yeah. the 30s and and the the 20s and the 30s. What what. A lot of black people were doing what? Farming? A lot of America was farming. Yeah. 
Uh, agreed, but but I I can kind of see some of their point on that. Now as to whether to show it or not, I mean I think that that's classic like American cinema. And if you want to yeah. block that because it portrays people a certain way, well then how about if we like edit the word the N word out of uh, Huckleberry Finn? Well, did wait a minute? Did I see? And that's the part that I I don't quite understand. I watched. I grew up watching Little Rascals. I mean, I can't yeah, me that too. was the that was the the main TV show on when I was a kid. And I never once thought the black kids were treated any different in the story amongst the gang themselves. Yeah. I never once saw a sign that said you can't come in here. Well, and they were boys cl- I, I mean, I saw they more were hanging play. out with them is the thing. Right. You know, they I, were friends with I saw with more them. I, I saw more. Yeah, exactly. I saw more um, discrimination on women because they had the all boys club. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole, that's a whole other <laughs> thing. But you know, the the, the thing the is, women's is hater, uh, cl- the the women's haters club they had. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, but it, it just cracks me up. I, I don't quite understand it. I, well, and I, that and was a and the deal is, is that it, it, that's like age appropriate behavior. You know, for exactly. like that's five what, exactly and six year old boys, that's just what they do. Well, you know, and it's kind of funny because we that mimics more of my childhood, probably than any other TV show that ever I've ever watched. <clears throat> even even to this day, that yeah. and and um, because we were doing stuff like that, we would make a tent and go somewhere and go camping. We would make we would go fishing in, you know the local pond and we were we were doing things like that when I was a, as I was a kid yeah. and and so maybe that's why even though that was set in the 30s we kind of grew up doing the same kinds of things and I think that that's what um I mean I saw psychology yeah you got to see yourself on TV you know yeah exactly I, yeah. we were we were doing the same kinds of thing and we would laugh about some of the stuff that, I mean god I told didn't I tell you the story about the varnish and the hair yeah <laughs> you know when we were little kids and we, we we painted the inside of our of our uh our fort with um some kind of a blue paint blue latex blue pa- latex paint or something or hang on Anyways, I had we washed our hair with varnish because we we I thought it was turpentine oh. to get the paint out, and our hair was like spiked. Oh boy! And it was we had to actually cut it. I mean, yeah, like it, the neighbor lady cut it all off, so that was like the start of my baldness. Yeah, it never grew back. <laughs> I was like I was like five years, five or six years old. And, dude, um, d- dude. Speaking of baldness, like I'm thinning out up front, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like really bothering my like nine-year-old daughter it's like every freaking night at the dinner table she's like trying to make suggestions that like i comb my hair a different way or something i'm like damn it i'm 40 years old (laughs) give her the donald trunk look yeah well that's the thing is like do you fight it or do you just roll with it and i'm just gonna roll with it you know what i've been bald since i was like 25 yeah i mean what the hell it it makes no difference to me i started shaving my head completely bald about when I was about 30. Uh-huh. And it was kind of comical because the way it um the way it happened was 
I started clipping my hair shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until the point where it was like a little bristly. Yeah. And finally, I just started. I just started shaving everything. I just started, you know, stop shaving my face and going. But I mean, when I was younger, I'd ha- I'd had a full beard too. I mean, it wasn't like a. I just had um, a mustache, but I had a full beard too. And <clears throat> the only reason I don't shave my mustache off is because I, my wife says it breaks up the monotony of my face. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It's. Well, you know, it's just one less thing. Uh, the to worry way I about. look at you know, it, is, it's 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 like just one less thing to worry about. It doesn't bother me at all, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would just have a high and tight if I could get away with it all the time. But the winters are a little rough, you know. So, like, that's what hats are for. Yeah. You well, you know? saw my big. You saw my big. Um, uh, did you see my big, my big um, beaver hat? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> I mean, it looks like I got an afro. It's like Russian. Yeah, exactly. You look, look like those guys that came up to Bark River. They're like, Mike, why is our heat treat not done? What is this? We come all the way from Russia to make knife. <laughs> and I cannot make the knife. Yeah. Because it, the heat treat is not there yet. In Russia, we would execute you for this. <laughs> <laughs> then they had poor Poor, uh, poor, uh, what's, uh, that guy up, like, until, like, four in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Mike, I got a, I got an email from somebody the other day asking me, um, what, what knife does Mike carry? Okay. And, um, I know he carries two. He carries a William Henry, and I don't remember what the model of it of it is it's a it's a really nice very nice looking knife it's a um a little like a little gentleman's folder mm-hmm. and then he carries another one um it's a barlow stag barlow uh northwoods madison is a is the name of it it's a curved barlow with an amber stag and he helped uh derek he designed it for for derek uh, at uh, knife ship free. Oh, cool! And th- so those are the two knives. He, he's not a clip. He's not a clip knife guy. He doesn't have. He doesn't even. I don't even think he carries a knife in his. Like, he, for the longest time, he was carrying like a slim. A slim trapper. Okay. By either Queen, either Queen or, I think it was Queen, or maybe it was a Shat Morgan slim trapper. It was like it had like a four and a half inch blade. Yeah. That he convexed the edge of it, re, kind of reprofiled it, and then, uh, uh, but he used to carry it in his back pocket right next to his wallet. It was kind of handy for him to get it in and out of his po- back pocket. Huh. But. Yeah, I'm going more and more over to slip joints and more and more away from the pocket clip just because um, people now know what they're looking at when they see a pocket clip there. Right, right. You know, and I'd just rather. I'd rather you know not I, you broadcast know what I do? that I've got a knife on me. You know what I? You know what I've been doing a lot lately is I will drop. You know how I have those um, uh, little lanyards with a ball on it. Mm-hmm. I usually will drop those, uh, drop the knife into my pocket to where just the ball is sticking out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. The ball of the lanyard. Yeah. So I can still pull it out like that, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it, it's it, there's but, no clip on it. Yeah, but people don't people don't know what they're looking at there, you know. And right. that, that gets back exactly. to the whole do I? And it's a personal choice. I 
you know, I still carry knives with clips on them occasionally, but more the, more often than not, I'd rather not have everybody know that I have a knife in my pocket. Um, and it's a personal well, decision, you know. <laughs> I usually say, somebody says, makes a comment about my knife, then it's a kind of derogatory. I always say something like this. I wouldn't be afraid of my knife. I'd be more afraid of my gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. But uh, if people, I want to give a shout out to this great uh, Facebook group uh, that's called uh, Slip Joint Addicts. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, if you're looking for, like, good little folders and stuff like that, um, you know, kind of the more traditional folders, that's a really, really neat uh, Facebook group, and they there's a lot of drool material on there. Like, these guys have, like, all these crazy custom folders and stuff that... I haven't even gone that route yet. I'll uh, tell you, you can spend some a lot of money on 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 really good pocket knives. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of great makers. Well, and then you know the the current uh, makers, a lot of them are doing these uh, crazy, um, for lack of a better term, tactical knives. Mm-hmm. You know, so like everybody and their dog is making like some big crazy frame lock flipper. You know, mm-hmm. and, and some of those are going for like you know twelve hundred bucks now. Big dollars. Uh, yeah, on some of the more known makers. But uh, I'm not in that market. <laughs> There's a lot of other things for twelve hundred bucks that I'd rather have, like I don't know, a gun, <laughs> like a uh, Colt Match AR. Yeah, you don't have one of those yet. I don't. I I don't own an AR yet. I'm lazy. Okay, so back to knife stuff. Yeah. You ought to see what I got in the mail the other day. What'd you get? Ooh, that's Trejale Coco. It's Trejale Coco. It's Trejale. This is, uh, let me turn the light on in here. This is a, this is one of the Ontario's latest offerings, and it's called <laughs> it's kind of redundant. It's called a bushcraft field knife. So in their re- in their naming department, we have a redundancy. Okay, that looks like uh, the Gerber that I kind of grew up with. It's it's it has the same similar look to that. Um, it, it's got walnut handles that are they're generous enough that if you're not comfortable with them, you can make some adjustments. But they are they're they're actually nicely rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have the. I mean, it's a very comfortable yeah, that's, handle. That's almost identical to the Gerber that I grew up with. Although yeah. the blade is longer, I think. Isn't the blade a little bit longer than the Gerber? It could be. Sometime I should dig that out and take a picture of it. I I've yeah, kind of this is packed that this one is away. A, this is a fifty-one sixty blade, uh-huh. and it's got a nice sharp spine. Um, I think they're claiming that it's Rockwell's fifty-eight. Oh, hang on a second. I did look that up. The the specs on it. Um, I just when I first opened up the box, I mean, I, I like I'm, the people at Ontario are making a dramatic change, and a lot of people in the industry will notice this. Um, well, they have a new like chief dude, right? Two's yeah, moved they, over have a, they have a new yeah, and he and he or was he that? is a little more a little more friendly toward the the populace. Um, 
so they're they've been reaching out a little more than they had been in the past. They lost a lot of since the internet. Ontario lost a lot of footing in the in the industry, and I think that they're they're really struggling to get that back. Mm-hmm. They're trying hard to get that back. I should say. I don't know if they're struggling, but they're trying hard. Um. So this is uh, fifty one sixty, and it's it's they've they've kept it intentionally on the softer side, fifty three to fifty five. Okay. Rockwell. So it's it's on Feel the sharpable you know, and all that, and it's a it's very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, comes with this nice little lanyard with uh, you know some. That's a massive pair. lanyard. Did out they come with that, or yeah. did you it's do a, that? No, no, no. It came with it. It came with it in the uh, um, right in the box. Okay. So it got that. Um, it's a cobra infantry weave. infantry braid on it. It's called. Yeah, it's a cobra weave. Um, Paracord yep. bracelet, basically. Yep. So it's and it's and it's actually I haven't taken it out and and uh, used it in the field yet, but it, it actually has a lot of the it, it has a very nice feel to it. I mean, you don't you don't feel as though it's going to be um, an uncomfortable knife to use. Yeah, it, uh, it, it looks. A, it doesn't have. A, it, it actually looks like an excellent hunting knife, but it's look yeah. at the flex in it. I mean, it's got a nice. Oh wow got quite a bit of flex to I mean it's a thin blade that's uh wow the blade the blade thickness is um shit it doesn't even say in here in the specs <clears throat> I'll have to uh I'll have to measure the thickness of it but it's quite thin then it comes with a striker huh I should I should pretend like I'm opening this up <laughs> yeah, okay we're doing some unboxing video for you here <laughs> um it's it comes with a nice striker with a little a little wrench thing mm-hmm. and, and a little I don't this is I guess this is for striking and then it's got um, a, a scale on it it's okay. got oh, I guess I could probably measure the thickness of that no I'm not going to bother with that but then it's got a nice ferro rod you know comes with a nice ferro rod my only my only real complaint mm-hmm in the in the realm of not using the knife yet, so I, this is before I've even used it. Is um, the sheath is made by Desante? Desante okay. is is known for what? Uh, leather, like leather. Okay, leather gun, gun leather gun holsters. Okay, and it's nylon, and it's while it's probably better than a lot of the nylon offerings that they've had in the past, and actually probably better than a lot of nylon. That is being offered uh-huh. right now. I think it kind of goes against the whole bushcraft theme. Um, I think I would have tried to put this knife into a, le- a leather sheath. Although, like I said, I mean it's 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 a well-made sheath. It's I've got no no complaints about the sheath itself. Yeah. But I think this, in combination with calling it a, a bushcraft knife, I think is going to be. Well, that's basically that. That looks a lot like the knife. Or the sheath that goes to a BK-16. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, 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 I would say, I don't know what the retail is on this. I'm, I'm thinking that this knife probably will be available, I would think, on the street somewhere between 50 and 60 bucks. Uh-huh. I could be wildly mistaken. Seems like I heard that the retail was going to be just under 90 bucks. Okay. Which... What's what's a BK sixteen retail for? Uh, under that, are they, I think. are they right? Are they right on ninety bucks or something? Yeah, 
the handle the handle is so good on the uh this I'm telling you Kyle you'll like this handle this is this is actually very I mean I don't know if you can see that or not okay but it has it 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 almost looks like they measured Mike's not handle <laughs> well it's it's basically if you if you do a Google images search for a, a Gerber a400 that's a, a fixed blade um, Gerber hunting knife that I had in the 1980s and I still own it um, what was the number on it? A-400. A if you do a Google Images search for that, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's basically the same knife. Um, only, I think the the A-400, that had a solid metal handle on it, but the um, it was a hidden tang and then a solid like metal handle around the outside of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-mm. A, Gerber A-400. Okay. Yeah. 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 It actually looks real similar to that. Actually, yeah. uh, and that's a blade. Good, the Gerber A400 is nice. Yeah. The blade shape on it is on a A400 is actually a little more like a. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I suppose it's, it is. It's almost it identical. Little, yeah, it is actually a little. The handle is a little bit different. It has a little bit more of an angle to it. Downturn. Down sweep on the Gerber. Yeah. Yeah. This is more straight across. But it. But like I said, it's a very. It's. It's very quite. It's very comfortable mm-hmm. um, the, in the handle. I, I I just think that it should have had a sheath like that, like in like like the, on um, the Gerber A four hundred. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, just uh, well the the only thing the only thing is is that the A four hundred sheaths were probably more expensive to make, and if you're going to keep a nice fixed blade knife like that with some tech to it. You know, some design considerations like the thin blade that's kind of flexible and you know dialed in. RC, I think you're going to be pushing the the price point up a bit, and so they may have done that to keep the price point down. Now, for me oh. personally, I'd rather have the nylon sheath with, because on on yours that you're holding in your hand, if you notice, it's got a strap around the top that will lash in the top of that knife to secure right. it. If you, but look, I'm saying you could have, you could have made this knife this sheath in leather too. Yeah, but then the other nice thing about it is that it's ambidextrous. Whereas the the Gerber sheaths were not, and then right. those Gerber sheaths over time tended to loosen, and uh, I actually lost one of those A400s out of the sheath. Oh, really? And never was able. And then this was the day before I understood about putting a bright orange lanyard on the back so that I could <laughs> find it, because it was just I just had the standard like black model, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, but. Uh, yeah, that that should be a good knife just based on the shape because I I have tons and tons of experience with the the A400, but yeah, I think I think people will be happy with this. I think it'll yeah. be, um, I think it'll be it'll be well accepted. So guess I, I, you hear that bird that's blasting off in your background there? Yeah, it's a <laughs> that's a that's called a white-throated sparrow. Mm-hmm. And they only blast off like that about this time this year. So I, because uh, that's one of the things I look forward to most in uh, spring is that bird and that song, and they're blasting off right now around my house. Yeah. So it's good what's to hear interesting, by you too. What's interesting about about living up here is we have a we have a wide variety of birds that come through. Yeah. And and I know you guys get a lot of them that go 
go through you guys, you know, but they end up up here all summer long. Yeah. And that's a con- you hear that quite a bit up here. Yeah, they might be flying up to you. Um, yep. But the the bird that I saw last year that was the coolest bird I've ever spotted that was kind of migrating through is uh, rose-breasted grosbeak. Oh, and those I, are common. Those are common here. Oh, man. We have they, those here all summer long. I had never, ever, ever seen one of those in Iowa before last year, and then I had a really? pair that nested in a tree right by my feeder. So we're keeping that feeder full, and I'm trying to keep the squirrels off of it. I'm uh, about to declare a... Uh, I'm about to put a contract out on those squirrels if they don't keep out of my feeder. <laughs> we we do um uh we have um we have those gross beaks, we have uh Baltimore Orioles will be up here shortly. Yeah, we we get them flying through. They're here for a couple weeks and sometimes you can get them to stay for a little while, but they're only here a couple weeks. The the other bird that I see um I run a lot and I run along this nature trail, and I always see this uh, little birdie called the indigo bunting. But they're only here certain times a year, and so I'm actually looking forward to seeing my first one of those. I just lost Jim, so you're going to hear a little bit of music here. We're back. A uh, couple little tough technical difficulties. Uh, well, let's see. Other other knife-related news. What have I heard? Oh, my bowies are finishing. You got? Oh, your bowies. bowies are, yeah, racking that up. Yep, I've got four of them finished, and uh, the sheaths for eight are shipping out to me today. Dwayne Keith Puckett. Armor all leather. The first eight people that buy these are getting like some crazy special deal because um, uh, his sewing machine broke. So the first eight are all hand stitched. Wow! What kind of sewing yeah. machine does he have? Uh, I don't know. Some crazy leather sewing machine that's all expensive, and he has to have a tech come up from like somewhere. And wow! Like, it's it's actually a huge deal. His sewing machine broke. So the first eight are all hand-stitched. Nice. Um, one of them is going to be shipping out next week with a Marine. Nice. Yep, Where's Marine he going? Raider Bowie on a Marine. Where's he going? Uh, some. I think he's going to Japan first, and then I'm not sure where he's going from there. But uh, And then uh, another one late in, later on in the run is going to another Marine. So if you're a Marine... You have to have a Marine Raider Bowie. <laughs> and you, you might as well have one of mine because they are badass. They come out nice, uh, eh? Oh, yeah, they're great. They're uh, I'm proud of them, anyway. They should be. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. 
They're nice looking. Um, so what do you think of, think about your watch? Okay, so people, um, update. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about automatic watches on the last podcast, so um, this is a little bit of a follow-up. And, uh, you know, they seem to be doing pretty well so far. Um, this is the... I have them in a watch winder, and... Th- uh, the one is the the one I'm holding up for Jim to look at is the Meritac. That's a, uh, that's version. the large. No, this is the this is um, you can see how big it is. This is the mid mid frame size, so it's actually it's actually perfect. It's about like um, the size. The case diameter is about the size of my typical like marathon navigators with date, and uh, it hasn't lost a second. Um, looking at it right today versus the atomic clock, and I wound it up the first time like a week ago. Um, Have you worn it? This one I haven't. I've worn the other one though. Um, I'm gonna wear this today probably. You know, you know what the problem is with this? What? Second hand's too small. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean it's uh, so on the. If you guys Google that, Google that right there. I mean, I've got a gigantic one. Mine is mine is the big is the large one because yeah. my wrists are not are a little bigger. Yeah. And and um, I'm not a fan. I don't like the second hand at all. Well, I, I wish it had a big second hand on it. Yeah, like the traditional size second right, hand. Right. So and then I would then I would love the watch completely. But so I, but on on the watch that I'm looking at, it's got a real small second hand on it. Um, it's it's set in a separate little dial, and if that's yeah. your thing, great. If it isn't, it isn't. But in you know looking at the second hand, I can tell where it is, and it's it's not very often that I'm down to using seconds to measure time. Um, but you know if that's if that's the level of precision you need, then you probably want to go with another watch that has like a full time uh, second hand on it. You don't time um, things. Uh. I use, um, a lot of times when I'm cooking, I will use the kitchen timer function on my microwave. Yeah. Because I almost never use a microwave to cook anything, so it I use it more as a timer than I do an actual uh, thing. I saw something, speaking of microwaves, I saw something the other day on Facebook about um, uh, microwaved water. And they were putting plants, they were using... Uh, Distilled water and water that they ran through a microwave and bo- uh-huh. I don't know if they boiled it in a microwave or they just boil or they just put it in a microwave and ran it for like ten seconds. I don't remember what it was, but uh-huh. <clears throat> after five days or seven days, they had two plants side by side, mm-hmm. and the one plant that was getting the microwave water died, <laughs> shriveled shriveled up and died, and the other one uh, did not. The other one went did real well on the distilled water, but what, what were you showing me? Your other watch? Yeah. So yours, says, actually, yours says U.S. government on it, huh? Yeah. Mine doesn't say that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but um, the, the the cool thing uh, for all wanna of know, our... You want to know what the difference is? Huh? My, mine was made before they were popular. Now they're popular. Yeah, okay. They put U.S. government on it. Yeah, it's it's the if you do a uh, Amazon search for marathon watch... The Marathon Divers Watch is the uh, number one search result on there. So that's probably the most common watch that they're selling, which is surprising because it's kind of pricey. But it's really not compared to what 
compared well, to a Rolex. Well, and it's it, well, I mean, and it's, it's like every you were bit saying, as good as a Rolex. Yeah, it has the same guts as a Rolex or an Omega. It's still it's still got the Swiss uh, guts e- to it. ETA. Um, yeah, it just has the it just has a different uh, different case and stuff, mm-hmm. which. You know, I would much rather fly under the radar with a watch. Um, I don't want some big honking gold thing with a bunch of jewels on there. Um, you know, I'd much rather have a watch that doesn't look like anything all that special. But, uh, again, personal personal opinion. Okay, so back to chopping and doing kind of cool shit, cool guy shit. Did you happen to notice that uh, in, the, in the hatchet, um, ethical use of hatchets. <laughs> Corey put a uh, a picture of a um, a stump. Yeah, yeah, he was a stump gonna sell, table for ninety dollars. Yeah, so he's going to try to sell this stump that he cut out of his backyard for ninety eight bucks <laughs> to uh, as a nightstand. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go take a picture of. I just I just hauled up a uh, a big maple tree and I just cut it up. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna stand them all up on end and and take a picture of them and say that I got those all for sale for hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's well, funny. You know the, yeah, I, was, gonna, I was out chopping mine yesterday with uh with my with that splitting mall and boy I tell you that Grantsworth Mall it does do a nice job. Yeah. Oh, you got to watch that though. Everybody, I'm gonna do a public service announcement. Um, go look at your axis today. Uh, or whenever you get a chance, but but make sure you go look at your axes and give them their spring cleaning. Because on my Grand's Force splitting mall, you know how it has that face that is hollow ground out. Mm-hmm. Um, just and I I I look at these things every six months, and I go over them with a fine tooth comb <laughs> and like. I look at mine every day when I'm shoving well, it through wood. Right, but I don't. I don't use an axe. I don't use every axe that I own every day. I don't either. I'm just teasing you. You know, but but like, <laughs> you know, the the axes that I use often, I, I look at more often. But you know, some of my some of my other axes that don't see a lot of use. Every six months, I go through and I look at them, just to make sure there's no rust and that it's uh, coming along nicely. And I got that. Uh, that uh, Grand's, Grand's first splitting mall out yesterday, and there was some rust on that hollow ground face. Well, you know how you fix that. Well, I just took it. I just took it and and uh, just used a real fine uh, grinding belt and just ground it out, and then re-oiled it. You know what that is? What's that? That's the tool crying. From not la- not using it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I don't have a I don't have a fireplace, so all my I, splitting is for s- crap that I burn in my little wood burning stove. Here, here's how I here's how I um, take the rust off of mine. You go use it. Yeah, <laughs> pound it, you pound it through wood. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I don't I have I, I don't have often. any on I don't have any rust on my Grantsford because it's too new. But yeah, just but watch typically, it, though. But typically, if you um, uh, if you're out using it, you'll keep it shiny. Yeah, you know, that's that is that is true. If you're if you're yeah. pushing it through wood, that's my coffee maker. Um, if you're pushing it through wood, it's it's not a uh, that usually yeah. keeps it shiny. But um, the other thing too is you don't want to keep them in a in a. I mean, this is kind of a 
I got two different stories. Old timers will tell you to keep your um, uh, axes or splitting mauls or your sledgehammers head down on dirt or on something that will keep them the the hammer ha- the hammer handles moist. Okay. I don't know as I go along with that because most old timey workshops had dirt floors. Yeah. And they tended to be very dusty and lack of water in them. I mean, there's, yeah. you know. So, and a lot of old timers used to throw oil on their floors to keep the dust down in, yeah. in their in their building. So I don't know if it was where that actually came from. I don't do that. Um, I try not to keep my let my axes dry out because uh, I think that that's really bad. If you if you like keep your axe next to your wood stove, you're liable to you're liable to dry out the wood to the point where it's gonna yeah. your head's gonna fall right off. But yeah, um, uh, I I would think that uh, um, what I do occasionally is I'll turn them up on end and I'll put some linseed oil and I'll just pour a little bit on the top. Yeah, you know, right right in the, where the wedge is. Yeah, and that's that's something I think you know if you've got some good axes, you, you want to take a look at those. You know, not all of us are using our axes near as much as Jim. I have <laughs> one that I use very often, and that's my GB Hunter's axe. I I use that you know, a couple times you, a month. At you know, least. there was a thread there about that the, uh, light. Uh, I almost responded, but I didn't want to cause any major controversy because it was they that fellow was looking for a light forester. What were the yeah, two? so he his choices, and we're talking about our Facebook group, um, people for the ethical use of hatchets and bushcrafting. So there's a thread on there. Um, he wanted uh, uh, he wanted an opinion on whether he should buy the um, GB small forest axe or the um, Wetterling's uh, bushcrafter, I guess Wetterling's bushcraft, and you know, I I replied. Um, now both both of those have about what nineteen inch handles or twenty inch handles. The the handle, I mean, I'd have to measure it, but I I don't own the um, Wetterlings version, but I do own the um, I do own the small forest axe, the GB small forest axe. Is isn't that the is that the same isn't that the same as the hunter's axe? Only it is not. It is not. It is not. It is not. Okay. They, they are. The, 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 the heads are different. something different. There's, the heads there's are something different, different about them. The, Aren't the, the heads, heads different? Are, the heads are slightly different, and the hunter's axe has a burnished pole on it. Okay? So, but the handles are way different. So they're shaped different. They're shaped different, and they're different lengths. And for some reason, that hunter's axe is is two times the axe of the small forest axe. Oh. Like, you know, I... I, I I almost never use that small forest axe. I just can't get into it. But that hunter's axe is like the cat's ass. That's mm-hmm. that's my favorite small axe like that. Um, so you know, I so what I replied was is like I don't have any experience with the Wetterlings, but I do own the GB small forest forest axe. I don't like the small forest as much as I like a similar GB offering, but I won't say what that is so as not to confuse the issue. I'd probably buy the Wetterlings just because it isn't the small forest, you know. So I would I would probably buy the. See, the for Wetterlings. some reason I thought the 
originally I thought that the small forest axe had a little bit longer handle, was a little bit more of an axe rather than a hatchet. See, I look at the, I look at the hunters, that hunters thing, and I look at um, the Wetterlings one about the same size. I look at those as all hatchets. I don't look at that. I, I don't think axe. Yeah, you, you gotta. You, I know, but you gotta swing that. It, the thing is, is neither the small forest nor the hunters is a real axe. No, no, and that's, what I'm, and that's what I'm saying. It's not. You know, a, it's it's kind of halfway in between. Yeah. But some sometime, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have you swing both of them and play with both of them and see which one you like. But uh -huh. for me, I mean, I have a I have a hunter's axe. Yeah, but do you have a small forest? I have uh I have a Wetterlings that was bark riverized. Yeah, well, that's your apples and oranges now because Bark River takes and does the that speed grind on them. Yeah, they do. Uh, and if you if you're interested in getting one of these, it's um, you go to dlttrading.com and there's a Bark River custom axe on there. Mm -hmm. Now I haven't handled one of those, but I understand that those perform very well. Mm -hmm. um, the but the GB Hunter's axe, like if you if you have to choose between the GB Hunter's axe and the small forest axe, axe, like seriously, play with each of them first because that Hunter's axe is just way better, at least in my hands. Like it's night now, and day are you, are difference. Are you using it? Are you using it for to? Um, see, I think that there's some confusion as to what people are actually using them for. Um, Something like that small forest axe, I would I would have no problem cunt, uh, cutting um, like tent pegs. Yeah, small stuff. That, yeah, that kind of exactly stuff. And then, and then sharpening. You know, you use it to cut the tent peg, and then you actually can sharpen a tent peg with it. Yeah, there's there's a for people that are interested. There's a method, and this is a real good way for you to um, to. Uh, practice your axe use skills there's a there's a method where you make a a tent peg and you so many cuts you can do mm -hmm. and you have to chamfer the top mm -hmm. um and, See, and that's sharpen that's it. where i think the that's right and I, I understand what what the hunter's axe is for and this is my e gripe about e it because it's it doesn't make for a good camp axe because of the that. Hunt, the hunter's axe or the the, the small forest. Axe. The the hunter's axe because you don't have a pole to drive in a a peg. You can still do it. Yeah, it's not. And the it, same. it won't it's it won't beat your. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's marginally harder. It's not. It's not a noticeable. The, the, it's not me, like a big flat spot. It's yeah, <laughs> but but for me the difference in performance is um, between. In in everything that I've used both of those axes for, everything the the hunter's axe outperforms it, and it, it's it's like not even close. Well, and, we'll and maybe to, it's just we'll have the to way do some, we'll have to do when you come up here. We'll have to do some a video about all those different. Bring those axes with you because you're driving, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Next time I'm up there, you know, yeah, I'm not going to be up there the thirtieth because there's no right. I thought yeah, you were going to so come up anyways. I'm going to come up um, shortly thereafter with Gretchen. Okay. Um, um, the, re the reason I was saying that was because I think we need to. Um, I've got several different kinds of axes. I think we really need to do a video and show all these different features on all these different axes and what they and just compare apples to apples to apples to apples and say, look, yeah. this is what this does. This is what this does. This is how and you know and actually show them in action. Um, yeah. And and it'd be interesting to see if you had both of them in your hand. Right. Like to me, the the burnished pole, like I could take or leave that. Like it, 
I have used that to for I, I did it last this year. I I skinned and jointed and did everything on my deer with that with that axe. Um, but well, and that's what that was for. Understood, but like I don't even think you need that at least for a white-tailed deer. Like no, no, it, no. it was it was a redundant feature, but it was nice to have that hatchet to join them. You know what that what that axe is for is for doing like moose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, mean, that's bigger. really what that axe is for is for doing moose and caribou. Right, because big, it's not big, big animals. Yeah, because it's not really a or or a cow. If you were butchering a cow, I could see how you could use that as for, for yeah. butchering and cutting out uh, skinning out a cow. But um, and that's that's where the that's where the problem is that I have with it is because those features that make it good for doing those kinds of things. Um, I, we don't have a lot of moose that we hunt in Michigan. You know, yeah. if you're lucky enough to get an elk hunt, you're, you know, it's it's you might as well wait to buy that axe and then buy yeah. one with a flat pole and use it as an as an axe, not use a hunter's tool, a skinning tool as a wood cutting tool. Okay, I think you're I think you're overthinking it. Um, <laughs> and the the reason being that. Um, I think uh, I think you're getting caught up by the name. Um, well, no, that's what what it is. I I understand that, and I understand that you would rather have a flat pole, but I think that if you if you played around with both of them for long enough, you would find that the performance of the GB hunters in everything except pounding in a tent stake is so much better that you're not going to care about pounding in a tent stake, and you can still pound in a tent stake. I mean, I've done that with mine, you know, over and over and over again. So, you know, it just, that one feature, you're going to have an edge with something with a flat pole on it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if you take everything else combined, like, it's a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that much better. But I don't know, maybe it's just, and it could just be that my mechanics are different or that I just have a, a different way of using it, and that's the axe for me. So mm-hmm. you may come to a completely different conclusion, but mm-hmm. for me, you know, I'll use a rock, <laughs> you know, or or I will I'll use the um, GB Hunter's axe, and you can still pound in a, a stake with that to beat the band, especially one that you've made out of wood, you know, like those old circus type deals. Right. But you know, I don't know. Just personal preference, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I think I think you do have to try that, um, and then try a small forest. You you have to sit down for an afternoon and play with both of them, and I, I think you'll come to the same. And you know what else too is I think that um, uh, people don't give any consideration to console tool, and I think yeah. they should. I think that if you have a a little bit of of um, ability as far as um, Metalworking and woodworking ability, a little bit of sandpaper, and a, and a, uh, you can really make one of those look and perform excellently. Yeah. You know, they, they are a little rougher, I think, than, than the, uh, GBs or the Wetterlings, but I think that they could be made, and, well, they're considerably cheaper, too. Uh huh. And they're American made. But I suppose that if you're a bushcraft weenie, that's a bad thing is to have something that's American made. <laughs> oh my God, you're gonna get us in trouble. Well, it seems like it, doesn't it? 
I mean, well, when you're, I think, when you're, you're going up against, like, the fin, Finnish people are saying, oh, my God, the people in America got to have big knives, and they got to have this, they got to have that. You know, they got to have these big, thick blades. They got to have, you know, we, we can just live out in the woods here with these little thin blades, and it's like this little lightweight axe, little lightweight hatchet, and, and, and that's is all we need. And it's like, okay, you got reindeer, and you, you got, you know, the reindeers are like the size of dogs. And you got yeah. wood that's balsa wood. You can freaking, you know, I you can, can look at it and it chops. Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, I can split it with my hands. You, you can, you can, I can chop just it pull with it apart. Na- nasty I can just look. gnaw it apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if if oh. you look at it with a disgusted look on your face, it'll split. <laughs> right. And I think, but I think it's kind of funny because you you end up they get people get sucked into that. Like it's like, you know, you live in the snow country and you live in the, you know, it's like. Oh, I hear the kids. Yeah, guess who? My kids down. are coming. My kids are coming uh, tomorrow. My grandkids. So Hold I'm on, just a second. I'm going to prevent a problem here. I took the opportunity to let my doggie outside. Oh, good. So, um, uh, the last last uh, four or five days, I've been installing a new wood boiler in my garage. Oh. Yeah, I had a. Uh, um, bit of a problem with my old one and I finally said to hell with it I'm not it's not fixable and I ended up with a royal uh pain in the ass no royal boiler very nice boiler actually um reminds me of a train engine oh boy yeah it's pretty cool wait till you see it um holds 100 gallons of fluid and 2 inch inlet and outlet and so I put it in and uh, put a small fire in it. And now we're still down to like 30 degrees at night. It was frost here. This, we had frost here this morning. And hmm. but for the past couple weeks, I've been burning just some LP gas. Um, uh-huh. And my boiler in the basement is set to warm up water to heat the floors and uh, heat the. I have a boiler mate, so I heat my hot, my domestic hot water with it. <clears throat> and it's set at 140 degrees. Mm-hmm. Which means the water in the boiler mate is by the time it gets there, it's like 138, 135, something in that r- realm, and so the water isn't ever really as hot as what you might like it. Uh-huh. So my boiler, the wood boiler I just installed, and my old wood boiler would would also do this, would make the water temperature 170 degrees. Actually, will go. It'll make it hotter than that. It'll probably make it. You know, it'll boil it 200 degrees easy, 212 degrees easy. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I usually run it at 170 degrees, and then when you take a shower at my house, uh-huh. the water is extremely hot. Well, that's how you want it. You can always put cold water in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so what ends up what it was happening for the past week when you use LP gas, you end up just turning the hot water on all the way. And your hot water isn't near as hot enough. Not hot enough. You know, now yeah. you put your hot water on, you're going to scald your tushki. <laughs> you got to so, be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful because you don't want any burn blisters on your. Oh, did yeah. I? Went to the hardware store the other day. The topic of conversation was there was a TV show on. Oh yeah, yeah, we talked about this on the last one. <laughs> Injuries, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was just thinking about t- about scalding. It was on the other night, and somebody heated up gummy bears in the microwave oven and put it on this woman's chest. <laughs> oh my God! How stupid is that? 
<laughs> do they realize that that's like sugar and sugar? Like if you heat it up above a certain temperature, it's like napalm. <laughs> well, Jesus. she found that out. Yeah. Well, they they won't be and doing then, that again. And then her husband or boyfriend, whoever it was, I guess it was her boyfriend, decide took her. Well, he for, before they, he was trying to get some of it off, so he was licking it, so his mouth got all burned. <laughs> <laughs> But well, it, it was pretty serious. I mean, she yeah, you can um, get a third degree burn. She had third de- burn third degree that. burn, and uh, they they thought that maybe that she was going to have to have some skin grafting done, and uh, apparently she didn't. But yeah, it, it, one little gummy bear isn't going to make a hole big enough to mess with. No, it was a gigantic. A it was one of those gigantic gummies, those humongous ones. They oh put it in a big God. glass bowl and melted it, and then just poured it on her. I was oh, like, no. you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, that's, like a gu- uh, it was like a gummy pancake between her bra- between her boobs. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, I can tell some ER stories, but I won't. Um, okay, so that's enough of that. I have a, I have a gear-related uh, thing. So You have a gear-related thing? Are you serious? Yeah, I have a gear-related um, topic. Okay. So I've got this... Uh, uh, backpack, um, and I usually don't like um, North Face stuff all that well um, because it seems like it it's kind of gotten really commercial. Um, so almost all of my North Face stuff was like is like 80s and early 90s vintage before you could buy it in the mall, and so that stuff is holding up really really well. Um, and and today, I think if you buy their super duper high end stuff, where you're gonna you're gonna pay through the nose for it. But if you buy their high end stuff, I still think that it holds up pretty well. Um, so I have this North Face Primero 70 backpack. It's a 70 liter internal frame backpack. Uh, and at the time, that was that was like their high end like expedition model. Uh, and I I got it for monkey business because you know you need reliable gear well i've i've had this thing now since i bought it right before the haiti earthquake or right after the haiti earthquake um and i bought it in kind of a rush because i had to get on a plane the next day what year was that was that that was 2010 and so so i've had this backpack and it's not it's not seen light use it's seen like heavy 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 use and abuse um and, you know it's been handled by colombian baggage handlers and like every every possible bad thing that can happen to a backpack this has had happened to it and it's held up really really good but there are some holes here and there where um you know probably i had a uh something sharp in there and it like poked a little hole so there's like half a dozen holes in it that i need to patch and i'll tell you why i need to patch it here shortly but um, I've patched that particular backpack once before with with supposedly the best on the market s- like stick-on patch, mm-hmm. and it lasted. Um, I patched on the inside and on the outside, and I did it according to manufacturer's instructions and everything. It's supposedly best on the market, and the outside one fell off, but the inside one is still intact. So I guess you know 50% of it is good, and I've been a lot of places since I patched it. Well, so now I'm looking at it, and there's a half a dozen holes in it, and I don't want to use that kind of 50% patch. And so what I've decided to do was I have um, canvas material 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have this. Uh, I have yards and yards of this canvas, heavy-duty canvas, mm-hmm. and I have yards and yards and yards of this ripstop nylon in in neon orange. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some contact cement and contact cement the two layers together. Okay. To form, because if if you take just the ripstop nylon and you try to repair it, I just don't think that it's going to have like enough bite to. Um, you're not going to be able. It's not going to hold stitches as well as if it's mm-hmm. backed with some canvas. Mm-hmm. And so I'll let you know how that goes. Um, Are you hand sew it or use one yeah, of those I'm gonna, speedy I'm stitchers? Gonna, I'm going to hand sew it um, because uh, and and I'm not. I again. I don't want to rely on adhesives because adhesives fail. Even even the best of the best of the best of adhesives fail when you're in kind of extreme environments. And um, I mean, the backpack did darn well. I do have to say, for only having a half a dozen holes and still having everything holding up in all the places in the world that that thing has been, it's done really well. So I got to give some props to North Face on that. Um, where was I going? I don't know. Where are you going? Oh, okay. So I have to repair that um, because I'm about to take a, a pretty serious mountaineering course. And I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but um, I have two two really, really big holes in my knowledge base for outdoor stuff and getting by. One of them is ocean going and seafaring and stuff. And the other is uh, mountains, because I live in Iowa. <laughs> you know, so like, <laughs> where am I going to get that? So I have some, I have a little bit of climbing experience, and obviously I've done a little bit of camping here and there in mountains, but nothing serious. And um, I'm so you're talking about to, face, like like mountain face climbing. Like I need to be able, holes? I need to be able to do that, and I need to be able to cross glaciers safely. And perform rescues and all these sorts of other things in that in those conditions, and be able to deal with avalanches and how to spot them and all these other things. Because I'm actually going to use that stuff. So um, what I've the other thing that I've said is that if you're going to find a course, don't go don't go cheap on the course. Um, don't try to pick the one that's a bargain. Go with the best one that you can afford because your time is far more valuable than your um, than the difference in cost between two courses, and typically the training is much better if you go with a reputable course. So I found this uh, this course, um, and I, I put it a, a link to it on my Facebook page yesterday. The uh, I'm going with the um, American Alpine Institute on their Alpine Mountaineering and Technical Leadership part one course. <laughs> it's a, it's a two-week course that I'm going on in a couple weeks here, so you guys are going to miss a little bit of podcast monkey business. But they take you up and they they teach you um, how to deal with uh, a lot of stuff that I just have no experience with. So I have to get my backpack ready for that. Okay, so <clears throat> who? I guess I'm missing something here. Go ahead. What is uh, what is this course designed to do? If it, it, it's a four-part course, and at the end of it, you should be able to handle yourself in the mountains, being able to deal with mountain conditions, including like 
climbing faces, um, dealing with, you know, stuff like that, being able to read mountains, picking roots, um, going across glaciers. Basically, it's the reason I'm taking it is because I need to be able to cross some mountain ranges mm-hmm. in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. Like, so I have something on the schedule uh, that I, I need those skills. Mm-hmm. And so th- it's a four-part course, and each part is well, aggressively you know, worse. One of the things I noticed about you, you don't know the difference between need and want. You don't need those skills. You want those skills. Okay, well, so uh, okay, so okay. you want the skills. Let's take you. Let's take you from Michigan and put you at four thousand, uh, six thousand meters in the Himalayas. And yeah, I understand that. Uh, no, no, you're experience. you're missing what my point is. You're yeah. you you don't need those skills. You have a set of skills. Yeah, right now but you don't need those skills. You want it, the, to add those skills to your bag. Yeah, I, I, it's not like I'm going in like naked with no experience. But there's some specialized things. Again, it, it gets back to the whole like dealing no, I, with different environments, like I, desert I, versus jungle, <laughs> and yeah. I, we're talking my about point. The my same point thing. is needs versus wants. Yeah, you want you you don't need. When you made the statement that you needed those skills, you don't need them. Well, yeah, I could just not go to the Himalayas. Exactly, you but, want those skills, right? Well, okay, okay, well, okay. Now we're now you're picking hairs. <laughs> no, but, that's um, true. The the fact of the matter is, is I am going to the Himalayas, and I need I for that trip, I have to be able to to deal with um, mountain conditions, mm-hmm. and I don't even, have any. I'm experience not even seeing your link it. here. Where's your link? Oh, it's um. Uh, it's it's it posted in a thread uh, on my main page there. So the one right below, before the one where I was trolling you. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. So this uh, the, it's it's a pretty serious course. It's it's uh, these guys are the real deal. Um, they're like the Morris Kahansky of mountaineering in the United States. So hey, Men's Journal calls it. <laughs> The country's most respected and thorough rock and mountaineering course. <clears throat> yeah, it's well, it's pretty hardcore. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know anything about that, but I do know that these guys are <laughs> fairly well respected in the climbing world, and it's a fairly well respected um, course. Um, having asked some people with some actual mountaineering experience, which one they would take, and that's what they said. Um. But uh, anyway, so I should come back with a, a little bit more knowledge than I have now. Have you have you ever rock climbed at all? I have a little bit, but you're talking like day climbs. You're not talking like go up one big segment one day, one big segment the next day, one big segment the next day, summit on the fourth day, and then go down. You know, and that's that's the kind of stuff that I kind of need to get a little bit more experience at. And um, the other thing is uh, there's not going to be anybody there, you know, guiding when when I go over east there. Um, so I need to have, like, some sense. What do you mean you're not going to have anybody guide you? There won't be... There's not going to be anybody there that has more knowledge about it than... Me, really? You're gonna all fucking die. Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we'll have some you guys are gonna you're gonna us. you're gonna rely on a on a on a 
on a 12-day class? No, 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 no. We'll have some locals there, but the thing is, is with, like, like any place, you, what I'm saying is, is you can never place all of your trust in, um, local guides. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you need to have, you need to have some knowledge of your own to make sure that you understand whether or not what they're saying is reasonable. Yeah. yeah, and that's all I'm saying. We'll have, well, we'll have it local always people it always cracks this, me up with the, the Everest trips. Yeah, you know, there's those, there's those, guys that's that just crazy monkey business. The, Sher- the Sherpas carry all their shit up and down the hill. They get all the they make sure all the paths are clear. They so that when you make your ascent, you, <laughs> you those guys all get out of the way. So you after they clear the path so that yeah. you can get up there, um, then they just sit back and you you get to walk up the hill. <laughs> yeah, well, peop- even doing that, people still croak up there all the time. So yep. it's like it's still like incredibly dangerous. But for me, like I'm not. Hey, but why I, don't I, the I don't Sherpas have any die? reason to do that? What's that? Why don't the Sherpas die? Because they live there. Because they're acclimatized. The the mm. problem is you get these people that don't live at you know six thousand meters up there. They're n- and they don't take long enough to adapt like they go up there and they think they're going to stay there two weeks and be just good to go and you're just not mm-hmm. and so they they get up there and they just get you know hosed and you know again it's it's getting i don't know i the whole everest thing baffles me and that's a whole nother discussion but like i just don't well, understand it you're, and, you're paying and, like a hundred grand basically to have somebody you're not it are you really climbing it you know that's that's the real question if you're if you're having to rely on like bottled water or bottled uh, oxygen and all this other stuff and um you know sherpas and stuff like you know i don't know like and see the the point being is when i go over there i'm not going to be looking to summit these big things i just need to be able to cross you know, and and the the problem is is like there's not going to be anybody there like, you know, preparing trails and shit for me. Right. You know, so I have to have some knowledge of how to do that. Um. Well, it would be silly to walk through the Himalayas and not walk through somewhere that's already the path is already there. Well, there's there's going to be some of that. <laughs> there's going to be some of that, but I mean, it's again, not like you guys are going to draw a straight line across the across the freaking no, region no. and go. Okay, no, we're, no, no, we're You're not gonna varying fu- from you, this line. You're going to follow more or less established trails, but trails change and shit happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've got to have some you've got to have some mountaineering experience. I mean, it, it'd be it'd be silly to go over there and not have experience at mountaineering. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it's a so anyway. <clears throat> so when is this going to happen? My course is in two weeks. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm flying out to Washington in. Couple weeks here. Hmm. Yeah. So what elevation is this at? And and what 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 is it the, actually? You're 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 actually hiking across a set of mountain a range. And no, stuff, we're just is it all I think, classroom experience. No, it's it's all outdoors experience. But they they kind of progressively increase the difficulty and stuff. Um, where you uh, you know you just kind of. You get better, and you get they progressively challenge you. Mm-hmm. And then the last phase of it is, uh, they have a guide there, but they, um, it's a student-led climb. You know, so the students have to kind of pick the route, and 
and do the planning and stuff like that. So you get, and then, you know, the second part of the course is I'll have to take later. And I mean, it progressively gets more and more and more and more um, difficult. And you got a cool gear shop. Yeah, I know. Their gear shop is crazy. And let me tell you, mountaineering gear is pricey. Mm-hmm. So I'm just renting it all. Because when we go over to the Himalayas, they'll be, I won't have to pay for any of that anyway. So it's, um, so, so can you tell us about the trip? To the Himalayas? Mm-hmm. No, I can't tell you that. I can tell you I'm going. I can't tell you when. What's the, can you say what the point is? Not right now. So there is some kind of point. Yeah. Just not just to walk. No. So it's a secret squirrel mission thing. Is that what you're trying to tell me? A secret squirrel. You know the the problem is is like I can't publicly divulge stuff. Um. So no, I can't. I can say I'm going. I can't say when or anything about it really. Um. But it'll be fun. And, and it's not a government thing, people. It's a private. Who is who is um who else is going? Oh, uh, Mickey Grossman, a mm-hmm. uh, friend of mine, uh, and some other other folks. I think his son's going to go, uh, and uh, some other people. Um, probably, I think maybe even William Eccles might have a shot at that. But it depends. It depends on whether he can get free or not, and then uh, d- just some other people in the outdoors world. But again, it's a long ways off. And a lot of stuff has to happen in order to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, one so, thing he's got to live long enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is like uh, Mickey Grossman. We had a we had a 65th birthday celebration in the middle of jungle. Um, we were in uh, Guyana in the middle of freaking jungle, a 200 mile walk from anywhere, and uh, uh, one of the guys that came along on that whips out a birthday cake <laughs> out of his pack like a full like huge birthday cake <laughs> just whips it out like some sort of an adventure birthday cake but he turned 65 in the jungle and the guy's a real ass kicker mm-hmm. when it comes to physical fitness and stuff like he he'll he, he leads the way it's not like you're waiting on him right right but uh that's cool yeah, but anyway, so I'm I got to do some repairs to my equipment before I go, and then like all my uh, all my stuff is uh, you know like my shell is a North Face shell from back when North Face was North Face. Mm-hmm. So I think um, at the time I paid like five hundred dollars for it, and this was like in the very early '90s. So you know how much money that was back mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. and how many freaking lawns I had to mow and everything else. Uh, but that thing, it's like it's brand new. Like, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, despite, um, you know, 24 years of use. Wow. So, it's good stuff. Um, yeah. So, but I'm going to be showing up with all this, like, mismatched hodgepodge crap from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> They're going to look at me like I'm from outer space, but oh well. They're, gonna probably say, they're probably not going to take you. They're going to say your gear's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, yeah. Oh, well. I don't have a lot of money. It, you know, the mountaineering stuff is, like, crazy pricey. 
you know, mm-hmm. like, and they want you to have this real specialized stuff, you know, like, and I don't know. Oh, outdoor research stuff and. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna rent um, boots from them, what? mountaineering boots. What size shoes do you wear? I wear like an 11. Wonder if you could wear mine. Do you have mountaineering boots though? Yeah, these are like these are glacier boots though. Yeah, so are yeah, these. Okay, I don't know what that is. Uh, La Sportiva. Yeah, so those are those are real mountaineering boots. Yeah, Dude, you no. paid a, you paid like five hundred dollars for those. No shit. Hmm. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, no. So, I, so I'm just gonna <laughs> rent them because I I don't have time. I I wouldn't know what to buy. Number one, and number two, like I I w- well, wouldn't have time to break them in. Well, and you're here. Well, there's no breaking them in. Your feet get broken. Hmm. Yeah. Be ready for pain. Be ready mm. for pain because. They don't give. There's no. They don't break in. Your feet get adjusted. Oof. <laughs> well, then I'll have to again. You know, like I'm just not gonna. One thing no, I've learned. You can get. You can get good mountaineering boots for three fifty, four hundred bucks. Well, I'm gonna. I need to. It's not something I'm just gonna buy without you know trying them out and stuff. So I'm just gonna rent. And if, mm-hmm. if what they have is acceptable, I'll probably just buy those. Mm-hmm. Um, when I need them, I don't need them right now, though. Um, the, uh, the, you know, something I've learned about taking care of your feet is that, you know, if you're out doing some big batch of monkey business, you know, covering like 20 miles a day with a big freaking heavy pack on your back, and you start feeling like a little hot spot on your feet, stop. Stop, adjust, you know, you, you can't. You can't let that stuff go. You got to take care of it right away. As soon as you know there's a problem, otherwise, like, you know, you may be in this big ass hurry to get from point A to point B today. But if you know, if at the end of the day you've got some huge problem with your foot, you're not going to get there anyway, or you're going to be slow tomorrow. So you know, any anytime you have any kind of issue with your feet, stop and take care of it. So I'll just I'll just keep um, that rule. Have you done that? The uh um, what's the trail trail on the East Coast from Georgia oh, to? Yeah, no, I haven't. That's you mean the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, thank no, you. No, I haven't. I haven't done even a single mile of that. That'd be fun though to do parts of it. I I wouldn't do the whole thing through. I don't have the time. It takes like a year, doesn't it? Depends on how fast you run. <laughs> run. <laughs> Well, if I was going to do it, I'd have like a 10-pound or less pack. I'd sleep in a hammock, and I'd just book. And there then, you go. Uh, and then resupply it at points along the way. But I, I couldn't do the whole thing all that fast. I mean, I might be able to manage 20 miles a day, but it'd still take you a long time to do the whole thing. I think it's. I don't know how long it is. How long is it? Long ways. <laughs> And I've got other interests <laughs> in the meantime. Appalachian Trail. National Scenic Trail. It is 2,000 miles. 2,025 miles. Yeah, see, that's way too much. 
Oh, no, no, 2,200 miles. Sorry. The highest point is 6,600 feet, and the lowest point is 124 feet. Yeah. Above sea level. Hmm. Be kind of interesting to do. That goes from um, Maine to Georgia. Yeah. It's quite a ways. There are people that through hike through hike that in a in a year. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I would I don't have the time to do it and plus. Well, if you cover really twenty miles if you cover twenty miles a day hundred days. Done. Yeah, but again, you're not gonna be able to do that. Uh, every single day, you know. No, but you ought to be able to do it in six months. Yeah, you. If could you were going to through months. hike it, you'd easily do it in three to six months. Oh yeah, no problem. But that's a long time. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> well, you got probably, any other probably more stuff? dangerous than where you're going. Say that again. It's probably more dangerous than where you're going. Yeah, because there's going to be parts of that where it's like there's all this banjo music playing. Exactly. And like, exactly. And, you know, backwoods buggery. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yes, sir. Okay, so you started out my day this morning fucking me all up. <laughs> By talking about, uh, sending me some bullshit about Detroit. And, uh, got my blood boiling early this morning. I didn't need that to start my day. <laughs> but I knew I could get you to do a podcast I, uh, if I did that. I, uh, well... I had a uh, sent a text message to my buddy Greg, who is a representative for the state, and he said that nobody is nobody's voting for that. What we're talking about is Detroit declaring bankruptcy and the rest of the state kicking in to to cover the cost of the freaking government employees union retirement plans. And I'm of the the opinion that um, fuck them you know they were the ones the union was the ones that 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 caused a lot of Detroit's problems the union and the government corruption in the city caused probably 85% of the problems in Detroit and the rest of the state shouldn't be there to have to pick up the tab I say sell the whole fucking city just freaking auction the whole thing off from one end to the other on uh, you know, put it on the auction block and be done with it. Pay off the people and, you know, send it through bankruptcy court and whoever's, you know, I'm sorry, you, 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 re, you know, you retired from the city of Detroit? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I Detroit. Tell, 
Yeah, sue Detroit. Don't sue me. I didn't do it. I'm not. Res- why am I responsible for your? Have you ever had a? De- have you ever lived in Detroit? I lived outside of Detroit. Yeah, my grandmother lived in Detroit. Well, then you're responsible. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> your grandma lived there. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I um. I I just don't think that it's. I just don't see how it's my responsibility. Um. Any more than the fucking welfare rats that are running around the state that think that that I owe them some kind of living. You know, people, we need to get out of this mentality of somebody else owes owes me something. Well, you know, there's a so the, I the reason I heard even knew that this was happening was because um, you know I've known that sooner or later Detroit's going to get a bailout and it's just who's going to pay for it. So I've kind of been following that situation. And uh, I've I've thought for a while that probably what was going to happen was they were just going to dip into the state coffers, which means the state, mind you people, the state doesn't have coffers. The, The people that live there pay the government. The government doesn't make its own money. So what they were going to do is reach into the the pockets of um, Michigan taxpayers to bail out Detroit, even though like, you know, even though there's like no connection between the two. And right. so I've thought this for a while. I still think that that's what's going to happen um, because Detroit votes Democrat, and so does Michigan. Michigan voted for Obama, did it not? No. Michigan, we, uh, Michigan here's, here's is, what is Michigan largely is. Demogra- Democrat. Mi- no. Michigan which is collectivism. Is, Michigan is a freaking island of... Uh, um, Michigan is an island, uh, is a blue state with an island of red, with islands of red in it. Yeah. Detroit being one, and Grand Rapids being the two islands, but for the most part, is the the state is um, a lot more, uh, a lot more Republican than what you might think. But the the thing is, is everybody lives in Detroit and Grand Rapids, so <laughs> so you know, they outnumber you. We have more guns. Yeah, that's true. But but so anyway, the the point being that by and large, the people there are collectivist, and obviously excluding ple- present company and friends, because if you're a collectivist, you're probably not going to be a friend of mine. Um, the the people that live there by and large are collectivist. Your money is their money. And that's that's the way they look at it. And so I've thought for a long time, and I still think that you're going to be on the hook to bail out Detroit. Um, you know, well, here's, because here's, like, the, here's the story that's going around right now. <clears throat> There's two different things. One of the one of the one of the issues is. Um, hang on a second. I'll get. Where the hell did my phone go? There it is. I got a I got a text message this morning from from Greg, who is who is my. Um, uh, my friend that's a state representative right who wants me to actually run um let's see here he is okay so so he says uh the there are two parts to this mess one Pensioners' lawsuits against the state. 
Some legislators in the past decided to make it constitutional that the state money must pay part of their pension. And number two, money to go to Detroit to administration to cover the loss of money for services to keep them going. The lawsuit from the pensioners is $3.5 billion. We may have to settle up with and pay $195 million and dismiss the case with prejudice. I will not send a Detroit a single penny in anything. Some of the GOP want to send $350 million to Detroit, which I refuse to do. And uh, he said the Detroit, Detroit has sucked themselves dry and went bankrupt and want more money now. So, yeah. So, so I don't, it's, it's a, it's a fight that's going on and there's no real easy solution for it. I mean, imagine if your, uh, your retirement plan, oh, oh, wait a minute. We pay into our retirement plans. We pay our own money into it. So they think that they paid their own money into it, but they really haven't. There's there's no way you get a guaranteed benefit out of a retirement. You know, with a guaranteed cost of living income every single right every single year. And right. that's that's the way those contracts are structured and that's the problem. Right. You know. Right. And 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 the and the, the dreamers, I for the lack of anything better, the the people that are in la la land um they seem to think that that's all possible and it's and it should be that way and it should be you know and it just can't happen i mean it's it's like i don't know i i've well, said this for a long time most of the I, and I, when i say most i'm talking like a, probably 99% of the government employees believe we were put on this planet to pay for them. They feel as though they're fucking royalty. And it doesn't matter what it is. They're the only ones that can do things right. They're the only ones that can do... And look at the mess that we're in right now. You know, healthcare.gov. Just look at that goddamn website. You think for one instant that if the people on Google were to run a fucking website like that, they, they'd be in business? <laughs> And, and launch a website from scratch? Right. I mean, come on. I'm not saying, and I'm not, and I'm not a, I, I don't want people to think that the whole healthcare.gov thing was, uh, I'm for that, because I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not for universal healthcare plans, but I know that that's what's coming. I see it coming. You know, 85% of the doctors were on board with it. No, they were A bunch weren't. of cocksuckers. Yes, they were. <laughs> Bullshit. No, they most the, certainly were. The only, only ones that were, were in pri- are in private practice. Well, wait yeah. a minute. How many of them are around? There's not many of us. Oh, exactly. Um, exactly. But, because but, they all got on the goddamn bandwagon. And, oh, I'm going to get a job at the hospital. You know what, you fuckheads? You should have been trading chickens for shit <laughs> like you did in the 1800s. Hey, I've still you, traded for chickens. You know? <laughs> well, the, the the point being... Um, no, we want the, a guaranteed the, wage. We don't want to run a business. We want to do this. We want to be, you know... We just want to say, oh, we want to be... We want to be... Well, they sold themselves downriver. And so that's they exactly what happened. And now, really you know complain. what's going to happen? They're all going to be out of jobs. Or they're going to make uh, bus driver wages. And yeah. then they're going to be like, well, you should have told us. It's like, well, we did tell you, dummy. Yeah, dumbass. Yeah. You know the the thing is is like um, 
the AMA, who, which was the big proponent of that, only only something. It's like some absurdly no, low number. It's like fifteen percent of doctors are members of the AMA. Right. And like the AMA is constantly trying to get me to join. Every single week, I get something from the AMO, AMA like join and get like a lifetime membership for like five bucks. You know what? You know, you know what all this was about, join. Kyle. The reality of it is, the whole thing was. Everybody voted with as greedy people. All of these guys that got on board with this, the insurance companies thought, oh, they're going to have to buy my product. All the yeah. doctors said, oh, you know what? They're, gonna, they're all going to have insurance now. I can, charge, I can do all these procedures now because insurance is <laughs> going to cover it. You know what? And, and so we're going to get on board with that. I remember having this argument with um, a guy from the hospital, one of the guys from... from uh, from our local hospital about this, and I said, I said, who do you think's going to pay for all this stuff? Oh, it's it's the government's going to pay for it. I was yeah. like, are you that stupid? I guess yeah, it doesn't take much brains to go through medical school. Well, you know? it doesn't take it doesn't take brains about about um, gov- In fact, they they will discourage you from thinking about cause and effect when it comes to government. You know what? You know what I think. I'm beginning to believe this. Medical school must be a lot like I can just tough it out. As long as I can just tough it out, I'll be okay. I can work 28 hours straight in the ER or 48 hours straight in the ER. You know, once you get through the schooling part, if you're a decent student, it doesn't take a lot of it doesn't take a lot of brains because it's practice. It's not even. I'm not talking about (laughs) what you're doing. Yeah, because it's it's just nothing but fucking practice. Well, at, at any rate, I, I won't go into that, but I will say that um, at at my medical school, in the morning you would have um, hard science classes, and then the afternoon they had your socialized medicine indoctrination classes. Yeah, exactly. And they spent um, the first two years every afternoon trying to indoctrinate you into the the socialized medicine fold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's, you know, and then the other thing is, is physicians are smart in in one particular area by and large. You know, they're 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 good at taking tests, um, and they're good uh, at at certain things. But just because you're good at taking tests and you're good at at certain areas of academics, does not mean you're gonna know. Um, anything about how government works right. and it doesn't what? mean that you're not you know, going to be some gullible moron I don't know? even know how many people actually really understand how government really works well y- they all think that the government has money and that, I remember that they, I remember you know, back I remember back in the day when I was in my in my government class and um, I, I may have referenced this in the past on some past podcasts I thought I was going to flunk the class because it, because the teacher and I were getting to these literally these vicious battles, epic battles that were that were come here, boo, quiet. These vicious epic battles that would would go like around the topics of of the classroom experience, and everybody in the class, all the students in the class, would just look at me. Like you're out of your freaking mind arguing with a teacher like that. You are gonna so fail. Yeah. I mean, I kid you not. We would argue for for the full fifty five minutes of the class. 
and we, and we would not get any classwork done. It would be just an epic argument of, you know, just short of calling, like really name calling. <laughs> and, um, and, and she was always taking the, the, um, the viewpoint of the socialist. Yeah. And our conversations were unbelievable. And at the, my, I remember the first time, uh, Back then, we had parent-teacher conferences, even in even in high school, where the where the parents actually had to go to the, you know, talk to all the teachers. And I was thinking, oh, I I warned my mom and dad. I was like, you you have no idea how bad this class is going. I said, I I am just. Well, are you doing good on the on your classwork? I said, well, we're not doing a lot of classwork. I said because we're doing a lot of arguing. And uh, I was kind of trying to warn them that. I was probably not going to get a very good grade in this class. <clears throat> and I had taken a, a couple of quizzes, and I did well on them, but the classwork excel, itself was, you know, debate. And it was like we would debate topics for weeks on end. Yeah. So, and I was kind of warning them, you know, and it was it was before any, I mean, it was before report cards came out. It was like mid, mid-term, mid- Yeah, mid-quarter. Uh, semester, Yeah. And uh, so they went, and you and back then you, you really didn't have like a running account of what you were, how you were doing in the class. Nobody really knew. I mean, nowadays they're like, you know, you can log on and and go to your your kids and look at it, how he's doing in each one of his classes day by day. So yeah. if you really want to freaking uh, micromanage your child and and create another fucked up human being today, you can you can go in and do that instead of just letting them suffer the consequences of you know screwing off you know because that's a lot of what we're doing today we don't we we build a bubble around our kids anymore because we don't want them to turn out quote unquote bad and in the process we turn out people that don't know how to fucking do a damn thing <laughs> anyways um, when uh, when they went to the you know to the parent teacher conference um I, I, you know, we didn't go back then. We it was that was between them. Now, because you know, you have student-led, you know, softer, kinder, gentler um, parent-teacher <laughs> conferences. You know, so you kind of go and oh, today the student is going to lead the conference and he's going to tell you how what he's been doing in class. You know, and back then it was like you know what your kid is an asshole. I swatted him four or five times and he straightened <laughs> out. <laughs> you know, but it was. Um, so, so, anyways, back to the to the to the class. Um, she basically said she enjoyed having me in the class. She enjoyed having somebody that would confront her with with all of these different social issues that we were talking about. And she was like, "I can't." She said, "Nobody in this class has the guts to challenge me on any of these things I toss out. They just are like empty heads of mush." And and Jim is like. He'll say that's not right. That's the that's not that's not appropriate. That's you know, government doesn't create jobs. Government doesn't make any money. Government steals money. Government impedes growth. And it was kind of it was pretty funny. And uh, and she was like she was like praising me, and I got A's in that class. I was I was so flabbergasted it wasn't even funny. Yeah. So whether she really was a collectivist or if she just was doing that to get my to get my back up, I'm not sure. But my guess is 
because I got the grades I got, it probably had to do with the fact that she probably was not a socialist. Yeah. She, prob- she probably actually was, although she was a teacher. Which <laughs> man, you're, we're gonna win friends and influence people. You know what? I'm I, I'm tired. You know what? They're not paying my fucking wages. <laughs> well, anyway, so um, the <laughs> so the, the I the reason I even found out about this is because I've been like paying close attention, like I was saying. And this morning they ran this like bouncy happy story on NPR that. Um, Detroit is going to be bailed out by the state of Michigan. They're like, isn't that great? You know, so immediately I send a red well, hot text to Jim isn't that, isn't to troll that, him a bit. Um, I'm wondering if they had, if they didn't do that on purpose. I don't know. But the but the the other story that came up today, uh, right after that, is uh, a lot of people are trying to flee Syria, right? And so they, a lot of them end up in Greece and in Italy, and then they, um, but they don't want to stay in Greece or Italy. Uh, they want to go to like Norway and Sweden. Why do you suppose they don't want to stay in Greece or Italy and they want to go to Norway or Sweden? Uh, let's see, because they have no fucking money? Well, okay, so they they get to Norway and Sweden, they still won't have any money. So they won't have any money in Greece, or they won't have any money in Norway or Sweden. So why the difference? Blondes? And they stated this specifically in Blondes? the thing. Blondes? No, although that's a very good benefit. <laughs> in Greece and Italy, if you come in as an immigrant, you can't get instantaneous welfare benefits. Oh, if you go Sweden? to Norway, it's like they, they roll out the red carpet. So they're they're all like stuck in in uh, Greece and they try to hop on these like banana trucks to sneak up to like Norway and stuff. That's funny. And, and NPR presented it as like, isn't this great? These people are trying to make a better life for themselves by going to, you know, Norway. It's, it's like, no, they're not making a better life for themselves. They're relying on someone else to make a better life for them. There's a difference, right. dummy. But you know, and that's like I said, it's one of those things that it just is so annoying. And I, I, I saw a psychiatrist on, I think it was on Fox and Friends in the morning, the like the early section. Obviously, it wasn't in a spot where a lot of the uh, well, even for Fox, I mean, it was it was usually earlier. They have different kinds of stuff. And they had a they had this guy on or this woman on, and she was talking about childhood. And how we're how we're screwing up our kids by being uh, helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. You know, kids do not learn um, how to make mistakes or how to learn from their mistakes anymore because we don't allow them to make mistakes. Right. And um, somehow or another, we've made the the penalties for their mistakes so tragic that we can't handle um, them making mistakes anymore. I mean, when you think about, when you think about, uh, for example, drinking, a minor in possession. Right. When I was a kid, literally when I was in like 7th or 8th grade, I guess it was 8th grade, I went to an activities night, blitzed. I had stole some um, liquor from my dad. Well, it wasn't even my dad's liquor. It was, we had bought a house that had a bar or had a bunch of liquor in it, and basically we put it in a big box and put it in uh, in the fruit cellar or the or the um, well we call it the fruit cellar, but it was like a like a cold storage spot for canned goods and shit. So there was a box of li- of like 
El Toro um, tequila, and there was some gin, and there was some, I mean, just, there was some slow gin, there was uh, just garbage liquor. I mean, it wasn't anything, my dad was a beer drinker, and it was, it was nothing in his realm that he would drink. There was some like Canadian club whiskey and some other crap that was in there. I mean, it was literally crap. It was the it was all bottom shelf stuff. Uh, was it Gilbert's gin and <laughs> stuff like that? So when I was in eighth grade is when I started my you know you you start with experimentations you know you and I would sneak you know a little bit. I would fill up like a canteen. And put like half of it would be booze, and the other half would be pop, like Seven Up and gin or something. Mean, we didn't even know what to mix, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, I went to an activities night one time, and I was pretty, I was pretty tipsy, and uh, eighth grade. Okay, so Ooh. my foray in alcohol started Ooh. in eighth grade, <clears throat> and look how I turned out now. <laughs> and and you know what? I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink. All the time, I hardly ever really drank. I mean, people think that I do, but I really don't. I don't, I don't. I probably have four bottles of scotch in there that are in various states of of uh, openness, you know, amounts in there. So, um, but anyways, so my track coach came up to me and said, um, the, the activities night was like the last was one in the spring before like we started doing outside track practice so we were just doing the inside stuff and my my track coach came up and said something to me like hey you know you're probably a little bit too drunk to be here and you're going to get in trouble and you know what you need to straighten out yeah and i said basically i'm not drunk and he said, yeah, we were in the gym, you know, playing basketball and bouncing. I mean, I'm not a basketball, I'm a horrible basketball player, but um, he said, I'll bet you that you can't stand at the free throw line and hit the backboard ten times straight. And I was like, what? I can do that. You know, so I started like three, four, five, and finally I was like, see, I told you I could do it that you know I could stand there and do this 10 times and then I started going throwing the ball overhand and I missed one <laughs> so I actually missed the backboard with a basketball from the free throw line throwing the ball overhand because I didn't think I was drunk but that was when I was like okay so now I understand I was like okay my coach thinks something different of me now because I was I showed up an activity night drunk and I w- it kind of embarrassed me when I finally did like sober up and I never got in trouble for that. A lot of people that were not directly involved with me at that at that time are, you know, the a couple of my buddies and that coach are probably the only ones that have ever heard that story. Uh, but you crazy. know what? Uh, yeah. And I didn't die. Yeah. I didn't. You know, it's like the. It's like the. My parents did not put a bike helmet on me and knee pads and shoulder pads and and elbow pads on me in case I would get bumped by a car or something like that. I had a time that I had to be in the house, and that was it. Yep. I had to be there. 
there was no questions about whether uh, whether I'm a little bit late. You know, I've got a I, I've currently got a renter right now that apparently didn't grow up with the same kind of rules, mm-hmm. and so he's like two hundred dollars short every month. And I'm like, dude, you're two hundred dollars short every fucking month. What what part of rent don't you understand? What part of you're paying for your place to live don't you understand? What isn't there any? Wasn't there any consequences in your life for not making making deadlines? Isn't there any consequences of of being late or 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 not turning your homework in on time or or you know was there somebody over your shoulder constantly? Well, I'm Dude. gonna get some money for my parents. Dude, you're fucking forty. You're never gonna get that money. Oh, I know. I know. Boot him. I am. I did. They're they're good. They're being out on Friday. But the point is, at what point in time did we start thinking that somebody else needs to hold our goddamn hand all the time? That's a whole other issue. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. come on. Well, you gotta. I don't know. There's a there's this whole mentality, like you say, of you know. Well, you know, uh, you're you've got money. Why do you need mine? It's like, well, because you're living under my roof. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, get and, out. And I said, I said, do you think that? Do you think that my mortgage company says, "Oh, Jim, that's okay. You're two hundred bucks short this month." Or my insurance company? Do you think they say, "Oh, I only have fifty dollars to give you this month, so I'm just going to give you, and I'll give you the the next on Tuesday." What? And they're going to go what? No, you don't have insurance. Yeah. You know, that's the way life is, people. Or God forbid you don't pay your taxes. <laughs> oh, for the love of God, yes. Yeah. I, I told I told Greg, I said this morning, I said maybe we should we should just secede from the union and form another state up here. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Well, it's almost you almost feel like it. I mean you feel so you know, people get desperate, and they do desperate things. Um, yeah. You know, my, I, I haven't seen this because there's all these social programs that are, that are protecting us from this now, but my dad told me about when he was growing up, he remembers people coming to their door with their whole families in tow, saying, can, can I, like, pitch out a, your, a calf pen for, to feed my family? Yeah. Would you feed my family if I picked, if I could like clean your, you know, chicken coop out or do something. I mean, we don't have that now because there's, there's, but I'm telling you that we've got to be in some kind of depression right now. We've got to be. I mean, I cannot, um, there's got to be some kind of indicator or there's got to be some kind of programs that are in place so that we're not seeing that kind of stuff. But we had... 0.03% Point zero three percent, or point zero zero three percent growth, economic growth last quarter. Point zero zero three. Yeah. Really? I mean, <laughs> we're not going to call it a depression because we're just going to change the you know we're, the parameters have changed so that we can't ever we can't ever have negative growth over three quarters again, ever. Because we adjusted the numbers so that that'll never happen. So we can never be in a depression. We can be in a fucking seven-year recession. 
we we could be in a seven year recession, but we can't be in a depression anymore. That's not we can't have that. It's like are you kidding me? That's kind of off topic, isn't it? Well, hey, um, anything anything else in the world of knives? I'm fixing to go for a run here. Um. No, everything's kind of everybody's being quiet right now. Heading up to the to El the blade show. show. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's kind of everybody's just got their nose to the grindstone and literally. making knives, getting ready to go to the yeah, literally going to the going to the um, getting ready to go to the blade show. But yeah. so there's not a lot going on. Oh, excuse me. I've been talking with our sponsor or the guy that wants to sponsor us, and he's. He, he wants to do a link, and I'm not sure I want to do a link and have it based on the link. I mean, it's not that I don't think that the number of people that are listening to this are are that great. It's just that the I, I've never had luck with links, and I, I don't I don't know why um, why that is. So I'm going to do some experimenting, but we're like I said, we're still in the talk in the talking phase about. Uh, yeah, well, we could always just go on as is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not like I it's... mean, do we really need a sponsor? No, not really. Yeah, not really. But so, what else is going on in your world, anyways? Oh, just uh, trying to get ready for that mountaineering thing and working and a lot of running. So, you got a wedding? Running. Oh, running. Yeah. Well, I, that's about all I got. I got nothing. My kid's coming up tomorrow. Well, my boy's driving up for, from Georgia with his two kids. That'll be fun. Nice. Yep my my grand my grandkids. I love my grandkids. My daughter my granddaughter is like I think she's four right now. She's oh, so adorable. My my grandson is like just over two, and he's he's freaking awesome. That's cool. Yep. And um, we're going to see the second Hobbit movie. Oh, okay. I didn't see we, the first. Um, we we kind of held off. We One of the things that that I did with my boys, and my daughter too, was um, when movies came out like uh, the um, Tolkien's books, when they yeah. made to movies, all of those movies were Lord of the Ring movies. Were um, when they came out, we went to like the third, the Friday night midnight uh-huh. showing where they first showing. I think on all of those, so I think we did that on the Transformers, the uh-huh. first Transformers movies. We did that on the Lord of the Rings movies. We saw that on Thursday night. Well, I was like show up at Thursday night at eleven thirty and watch the midnight showing of it on Friday morning. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and we did it. He flew up here, and we saw the first Hobbit that way. Mm-hmm. And um, so we all went on, you know, Thursday night, eleven thirty, to the theater. And but the second Hobbit came out, and we did not, for some reason, it was like wasn't in the cards that we could that we could do that. So uh-huh. we didn't go. So now, but none of us have watched it yet. So we're gonna we're gonna watch it this weekend when he's up. Cool. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. So we're excited about that. I'm excited about my new wood boiler. Hoping I'm not going to burn my 40 quarter wood this year. 
but well, I think it I'm going to be more efficient, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think the other thing that I'm I'm kind of excited about is I'm going to I'm going to try to keep it burning all summer. Oh um, boy. Yeah, I'm I'm going to um I've got a lot of branches and twigs and and if it's not if it's not that much trouble, then I'm going to go ahead and do it. What's um, that clicking noise? Oh, lighter. Okay. <laughs> We're nervous like habit. Another podcast right now. N- ner- uh, nervous, nervous habit. Um, well, you know the, you know the. Um, where the hell was I? We were watching some movie the other night. Oh, was it? Kathy and I were watching some movie the other night. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was a guy had a Zippo lighter, and he was playing with his Zippo lighter, and she looked at me really funny, like you do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah, we were watching. Uh, did you ever watch a movie? Wait until dark. Mm. That's a good movie to watch. So it's like made in the '60s or '70s, and it um, Audrey Hepburn is in it. Okay. It was. It's like a good old movie. You you don't you like old movies, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Casablanca type movies. Yeah, that and that and uh, and newer. Yeah, um, African Queen. I love. Yeah, I, I, those movies. Humphrey yeah, Bogart movies. I really like this. But um, Wait Until Dark is Audrey Hepburn, who is I don't know if you know who she is. She played in Breakfast at Tiffany's. She's a very attractive yeah. woman. Yeah, very very mm-hmm. pretty woman. And she plays a blind lady living in a in a in an apartment and. Murder, mystery, intrigue, and she's blind. It's okay. pretty awesome. It's, it's well worth watching. You sit, sit on the edge of your seat, kind of thing. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, hey, if they want to send us email, they can send it to podcast at knifejournal.com. Mm hmm. They can check us out on the forums. Uh, like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Oh, you know what? Uh, I just saw something that um, I got a message from uh, uh, Scott. Oh, about his giveaway? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... Did you so, happen to catch that? Yeah, he, he sent me, and I told him to be sure to ask you about it. But if you yep. go to knifejournal.com, um, Scott Eldridge is giving away a Schrade Stockman USA. So um, you can check that out. Uh, there's also a SOG Seal Pup Elite now. There's only five entries to that, so you might want to get in on that. Yeah, that would be um, a good one to have. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably close that one out here shortly. So yep, sign up be... or forever hold your peace. You know what? Um, why don't you save that? And wh- or sh- and I'll share that on uh, on my Facebook. Is that because pe- for some reason people? might not be wanting to go through the effort of signing up for another well they can either do it or not yeah i suppose <laughs> if they don't uh you know it's up to them it's their, it's their loss it's a free knife man <laughs> i know it free knives are good yeah free knives are good <laughs> well anyway i got nothing else all right i don't either so let's uh Let's sign off, and we'll catch you next time on the flip-flop. And I, I might, let's see, I'm probably going to be um, up to my eyeballs and really busy. 
with my kids, with my grandkids being here. So I'm going to be doing a lot of grandpa playing things. Yeah. But uh, uh, maybe we can sneak one in before you before you go. When do you, what day are you going? Do you know? I fly out on uh, Saturday the 18th. Saturday the 18th. Yeah. Okay. So that's a week from this Saturday. Yep. Okay. So we so we can probably get one in before they before you leave. Hopefully, because yeah, it's going to cool. be a couple weeks. They're going to have to have a a break. <laughs> All right. They'll Sounds be cool. constantly texting you and stuff because my phone will be turned off. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So you're actually in the you're actually outdoors the whole time. Yeah. For two for two weeks. Yeah, the entire time. Yep. So not only are you going to be wearing the same pair of underwear for two weeks, that's you're correct. Try to learn something. Yep. You know, I mean, and the deal is, is like you can you can easily do that. I've I've worn the same set of clothing clothing for a month before. So yeah. You know, you just take care of it, and it's not a big deal. Uh, if you want to travel light, that's what you're doing. So anyway, all right. Well, let's sign off, and we'll catch you on the flip-flop. Yep. And remember, guys, keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. <laughs>